You're listening to an Irreverent Podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Hi, friends. Sarah here with a brief disclaimer. You are listening to a podcast about making space for other people as well as for yourself, which may mean that you're going to hear language and ideas and thoughts, not just about life, but about faith that are different than your own. My hope is that you will listen to this podcast with an attitude of space making, being able to hear things that are different from what you may interpret the world to be. It also may be different than how the hosts feel about the world. But again, we are working together to make a little bit more space for each other. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Making Spaces, a podcast about making space for ourselves and others. I'm one of the hosts, Sarah, and this is... The other host, Josie. Josie, how are you doing? You are in the midst of some chaos, friend, as you are moving, but it's looking great. Um, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. I started moving a couple of furniture pieces, which makes all the difference in a small apartment, right? Yeah. Your stuff that you pack up is all organized in the furniture pieces. So until those are moved out, it feels like you make zero progress. Yeah. Uh, it's like a bowl so yeah. of pasta. You just keep yes. eating it. Mm -hmm. So doing great. Um, painted my apartment illegally, probably. That's fine. Uh, my dog pooped in the backyard, which is Ooh, a good sign. That's a big you deal. Know? Tenor will never do that. He does not. He has to be out on a walk and feel really comfortable with his environment. Mm -hmm. This is a lot about us, I think. Tenor and I are both a little anxious. Yeah. Although she did pee on the carpet inside randomly. Really? Yeah, and I'm assuming it's because it's a new carpet and it didn't smell like anything but carpet that she was like, hmm, what is this? She, I mean, she's not the brightest of dogs. She lived on the street for a long time, so I'm sure she's not too keen on not peeing on an absorbent, semi-absorbent surface hmm. like that feels similar to grass, you know? Yeah. She was reprimanded, but and we bought that cleaner that is supposed to keep them from peeing in the same spot. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that yeah. thing. That makes sense that that exists. My mm -hmm. dog has not peed. He's only ever peed inside one time and it was inside my friend's home. They had two dogs and their dog kept peeing on the same leg of the same couch. Oh, and Tenor just walked into their house and just peed on there. And I was mortified. And they were like, no, no, that's where our dog always pees on that leg. So yep. there is, they are sent you know, driven. So I wonder if there was something about her wanting to own that space. Yeah. And I mean, everything, all the flooring had just been replaced. So it probably really didn't smell like anything. And she was like, oh, now this is mine. Aww. I'm claiming this space. Which well, is it, cute, but also annoying. It's a beautiful space. Uh, we were talking earlier because your husband who works for a paint company, um, as a, he's, is he a chemist at the paint company? Yes. He does polymer research for bear paint company. He brought you, gave him the, get, why don't you tell how you ended up with your paint colors that you have in your house? <laughs> so I was painting with my dad and we open up these colors and my dad is like, he opens up the first can and it is called appropriately emergency zone orange um it's very bright once you put it on the wall it kind of l lessens a little bit it's just a bright orange um but my partner picked out these colors because I said I wanted a Mexican vibe in my home and for me being from the northern part of Mexico it's more like ranch style terracotta white and wood and leather yeah. and and then some pops of like serape or whatever um Ryan probably just Googled Mexican colors and came up with the South where they have all these bright and vibrant colors or the houses that are always beautifully painted in bright colors in some neighborhoods. And uh, yeah, a little bit of miscommunication, <laughs> but also he loves colors. So I'm sure he took it as an opportunity to really just go for it. So now I have blue in my bedroom and my hallway will be green, which is lovely. I love the green. So it's just <laughs> What I love, though, is that your partnership is one where um, I think you both give up control a lot, which is, and you're both kind of 
like not controlling people, but you're both kind of type A. And the fact that in different spaces, you say, hey, he asked for your opinion. You said Mexican, and then he went for it. Uh, and you gave him permission and you didn't shame him for it being like real loud. Um, I could never do that. And maybe that's why I'm not partnered, but I would hate, like I, I couldn't, colors there is like- There are plenty of people who don't give up control that are partnered. I'm just thinking like, I could give up control about a lot of things, but like paint color would be one. I'd be like, I think I'd want to do more of a like, let's decide on this together. Um, versus like, Hey, this is up to you. You go for it, but it's, uh, it's going to be fun. And you guys have great furniture journal turn out great, but yeah, it'll be fun. Um, also mixing each other's vibes is always interesting and fun. It's yeah. like a new art project for me. Like, how am I going to make this work? I love it. Yeah. I think it's great. And that, cause I think there, there's this garbage narrative out there that um, will actually fit in with our conversation later that it has to be all or nothing. Like either one person gets their whole way and that's that or someone else gets their whole way and that's that. And that's actually not space making mm -hmm. for each other. And, right. you know, I, the narrative I don't really like, and I remember this from seminary, I had friends getting married and they're like, oh yeah, he's not bringing his furniture. And I was like, oh, that's kind of gross. That depends. Cause in seminary, I feel like it's still a college student. Yeah, grad student. But, I mean, I think that's a little. A little I bit. get some really cool furniture when my one friend got married because his uh, his wife was like, "No, thank you" to all of his furniture. So I ended up with some cool stuff. Um, anyway, <laughs> enough about that. I'm excited that you're moving. Um, it's great that you guys are doing that. I hope that this weekend you're able to get a little bit of rest after it's all moved. Mm, Monday. <laughs> Monday. Memorial Day. Maybe there you Tuesday. Go. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Well, great. How the heck are you, Sarah? Whew, I am tired. Um, I have been working on some stuff, getting ready for a bunch of forms that are due, which sounds funny, but um, with our denomination and then some projects uh, that I have going on. And it's been, you know, working from home has been great, but I don't know if you can hear the sound in the background. My neighbors, your neighbor, our neighbor is cutting mm -hmm. concrete constantly. And it has cutting been- Cutting concrete? Yeah, they're using to cut like slabs of, I guess, concrete or however you want to say it, like the, what do you call them? The bricks. Cinder blocks. Cinder blocks. They're just cutting cinder blocks all day long. And I'm not sure why, um, but it has become really difficult to be home and have peace. So I'm really excited for them to be done with the project. And I'm almost tempted to go over and say, hey, it's been 14 days where you're just cutting incessantly. And most of us are working from home right now. Um, when, it, when are you going to be done this process? Now it's not super early in the morning. They started eight, but it's still frustrating. I like you should start at least at nine. Yeah. But then it goes all day. And if you're like me, who spends a lot of time on zoom meetings and also recording things, it's been a little bit old. So I'm ready mm. for them to be done on also. I'm just not sleeping well as I get ready for the next stage of life. Um, so Anyway, thanks for asking. Uh, if people were to see me right now, which they'll never see this video, my hair is all over the place because I, I'm looking rough, but that's fine. That's how we do life. And I'm going to accept myself for it, even with this weird drilling noise in the background. Speaking of accepting ourselves, that was a nice segue. Wasn't that good? It was a pretty Love good segue. It. We are excited once again to have a conversation with Chris Rodriguez. And Chris is really a coach for folks who are um, trying to step into whatever is next for them on a business level. He works also with like embodiment stuff and movement, a lot of stuff, um, particularly like with Silicon Valley leaders and that sort of stuff. But um, he's become a dear friend. And so it's been fun. The first time we had him on, he came up with the, you belong here because you are here, which I just think is such a deep thing that we could say to ourselves all day long. Um, and so this conversation kind of went in the direction of like, how do we love others and starting with loving ourselves? And that sounds like such an easy thing to do, but it is so hard, particularly we talked about how do we do that in partnerships? How do we do that when we've been, our whole lives have adjusted due to the pandemic and now we're shifting into regathering. And so there's some conversation around that. Anything else you want to add before we hop into the conversation? Um, I think listeners that you should be okay with the pregnant pauses that exist in this conversation. Just take a minute. Mm, yeah. It doesn't, it's not cutting out. I promise. We're just pausing. Embrace it. Love it. Suck it up. 
<laughs> yeah, I think what it is is uh, Chris is one of these people that really thinks about what they're saying. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And so in this conversation, you will have some moments where Chris just pauses, not to mm-hmm. fill the space with uh, words, which sometimes is something I'm tempted to do. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. And if you want to see what we're doing during the pregnant pauses, feel free to watch us on YouTube. Mm-hmm. All right, friends, uh, enjoy the conversation. Is there time for 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 you as someone who's partnered with yourself separate from work? So not you with your partner, not you with your not you with your work, but just you and your 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 thoughts and and your body and all the stuff that you're feeling. Um that's been becoming more and more of an important thing for me. Um, yeah, having that, ha- making space for myself um, as uh, as something that is expanding um, for my relationships with other people and even for my relationship with my work. And welcome to another episode of the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast about making space for yourself and others. I'm one of the hosts, Sarah, and this is the other host, Josie. And we are absolutely excited today because, um, I mean, we're always excited. Well, excited-ish. But today we get to reintroduce to you someone who last interview we had uh, with him created an entire t-shirt. You know, you are here because you are, you belong here because you are here. That is something that he said last time. So we're so excited to have coach Chris Rodriguez here again. Chris coaches folks, um, particularly people learning how to do their work without losing their soul. And so it is so good to have you here again, Chris. So we're going to ask a question. Are you ready for this? That we always ask, but you already (laughs) answered it. Now you have to come up with a whole new answer, or you can just reiterate. I know. And I was thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, new answers every time. Every time. Where is one of your favorite spaces and why? Okay. So honestly, lately it's been this space that I'm in right now. So this is my office. And during the pandemic, when everything started, I was teaching all my classes virtually and meeting with all my clients virtually. So I was just moving furniture around in the house. And then finally my wife was like, Chris, leave this room alone. <laughs> so we made a compromise <laughs> and we turned our guest room into my office and movement space. And, you know, over the past, you know, year and a half, but really the more the past five months, this space has been a place where I've done a lot of my own work. Um, and yeah, behind me, you, you know, people who are listening to the recording, you can't see it, but behind behind me, I have like this uh, this mural. Go to YouTube, my, um, so you can see it, my, friends. Yeah, <laughs> all of my all my um, patron saints, you know, Bruce Lee, uh, Biggie, Nas, <laughs> Kendrick Lamar, all those all those guys. But yeah, it's it's a um, it's important to have a place mm-hmm. where you can do your work, mm-hmm. not just the work work that you get paid for, but the but the soul work for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josie is moving next door and um, yeah. it's been, it's true. Uh, and it's been cool to see they like redone um, the whole place, but uh, the place that her partner and her are kind of deeming the work room um, is got like fantastic light all day long. And it just like makes yeah. my heart so happy that you're going to have that like, place and space that has light but also has air conditioning which is important um but has yes. you know for you to do your creative stuff um I'm excited yeah. for that I mean I resonate I the reason why we're kind of moving too is we live in a one bedroom I mean if you're on YouTube you can see the mess behind me of boxes in the moving process pick up the keys tomorrow Woo-woo! but um 
yeah we need i needed a dedicated space i don't i don't want my computer and my workspace to be in my living room anymore i want mm-hmm. to be able to separate my life a little bit and have my office and my workspace for my business and then be able to have my life space my living room where i live um, my mm. bedroom where it's only just for sleeping and having yes. all these designated spaces i mean people i feel like people really forget that designated spaces are good for your mental health your soul your work I think that's what this has been about. Actually, I read um, like this this time of being um, sheltering in place. I read this really interesting article very early on. I think it was from Dwell uh, Magazine that talked about even if it's you have a desk that you have to walk to, like mm-hmm. don't stay in one room during the day um, if you can. Obviously, there's some privilege around that, but you know, for me, I live in a one bedroom as well. But I have, instead of having a dining room, I have my desk and my podcasting area and it has to be separate from where my bedroom is. It has to be separate from, it's like your brain, I don't know. And maybe you can talk a little bit about this as someone who coaches folks, but like it is so easy with, you know, having phones and having just to work all the time. And um, I think it'll be great for creativity almost. And I think probably having your studio as your yeah. movement space, it's like, okay, when I'm in here, when I'm in this right. space, my brain is helped to move into the space when I do this thing. Um, yes, no, absolutely. So one of the things I work on, I have this uh, masterclass, uh, Soul Life Balance. And uh, one of the things, one of it's all about just creating these boundaries around your workday. I think we're good at doing the work work right mm-hmm. and most of us if not all of us we've built most of our identity around the work work that we get paid for but that is not the totality of our life that is not the totality of ourselves so having these moments in our day to create space and kind of unwinding the rubber band so we're like so cranked up all day all day and then instead of releasing that that um that tension and that pressure with mindfulness or going somewhere else what do we do we get onto the most triggering mind hacking (laughs) thing that we have our cell phone Mm -hmm. right and instead of instead of unwinding we we just ramp ourselves back up even more right so so that's that's one aspect so even when we are separating the spaces right like moving from all right my movement space my office is here i try to not take my cell phone into my bedroom yes um, or I'll walk around the block and if I do have my cell phone, it's I'm listening to an audiobook and I try to not engage with any kind of social media and like having those kind of um, real uh, breaks because there's something about the physical, but then there's also something about the mental in that in that physical space. Yeah, I'd love to ask both of you because you're both partnered and um I, th- I think a little bit about how having your work bleed into spaces also can mean that like you're not fully present to the other. Um, do you think part of this, cause you said, you know, my wife was like, stop moving the, fr-, you know, whatever it is. Uh, have you guys set up spaces so that you can be present to your partner? Um, Wow, this is what we talk about in therapy. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, sorry. it's fine. It's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> I, I do have an issue. I am a workaholic. I have accepted it. It's fine. I love to work. I've never known not uh, trying to survive by doing things. I've always been kind of motivated by the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I thrive in that environment. It's great for me. But it's hard for me at 9 p.m. when something comes up not to do it immediately because I'm trying to spend time with my partner, which is why the second I bedroom hear that. I hear is that. great 
because then I can close the door and say, that's a tomorrow thing. Oh, I love that. Yes. So, I mean, me and my wife, we both struggle with that because she's, um, she's working on a doctorate right now. And then Ooh. she's also, she's a nurse, but she's, she's doing an interim position, which is a lot of um, a lot of emails, a lot of desk work, a lot of that virtual, just mm-hmm. kind of um, facing and teaching. And there's almost, whereas, you know, when she was on the floor, she could leave her shift and, and all right, she doesn't have to deal with patients anymore. But now, you know, she comes home and, you know, she has a work phone, <laughs> you know, that she, that she has to use. And, and we can, and both of us tend to, tend to move towards overwork. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we just, we just kind of naturally go there. And that's something that we've, we've both struggled with those boundaries with. Hence, that's why I'm like, I need to figure this out and I need to try to teach this to some, some people, but one of the best ways that we create that space is if you have a furry friend, uh, in your house, uh, we take them on, we take Mamba, our pit bull on three walks a day, right? So the first two, it's usually me, but the evening one, it's, it's both of us. And then we have a lake that's right, right near our house. Um, it's got a, got a nice trail and for us getting out in nature, um, not even like straight up in trees in the forest somewhere, but just getting outside of the house, um, together. That's the, that's a good one. And then even we just have, we have some chairs that are just sitting in, in front of our house. We don't have a backyard or our, our duplex is facing the street and it's not like gated or, you know, people can see us or whatever, but we got these, we got these chairs and lately we've just, Hey, let's go out. Let's drink a glass of wine. Let's, you know, I smoke my little cigar, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll relax. We'll, we'll, we'll chill out. And just that little, that little moment of changing the environment in that way. And it's like, okay, yeah, our cell phones aren't out here uh, with us. Um, our computers aren't out here with with us. This is that that physical separation that you were mm. that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah that's so. It's interesting. I just last night was driving home and I saw this couple walking their dog, and they were walking hand in hand, and they were an older couple. And I was thinking. I love that because I, in my mind, I created a story where, you yes. know, they've both been doing their separate things and then they came together to walk this dog. And then I realized, I think I've seen them walking their dog almost daily for the last like year. And there was something lovely about seeing a couple that was holding hands, walking with this dog. And I, um, I had just a beautiful moment of like appreciating, oh, that's like a neat, again, like I said, I created a story where they were both doing their separate things and then came coming together for this walk. But I think that is a really neat thing to have like rhythms and patterns that make you have to have, um, have to have that separation from your work and your partner. Cause I think sometimes it's really easy for that to all bleed together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think another aspect of that too is, is there time for, for, for you as someone who is partnered with yourself Mm. separate from work so not you with your partner not Mm -hmm. you with your not you with your work but just you and your 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 thoughts and and your body and all the stuff that you're feeling um that's been becoming more and more of an important thing for me um yeah, having that, ha- making space for myself mm-hmm. um, as uh, as something that is expanding um, for my relationships with other people and even for my relationship with my work. Yeah. Do you guys, do you schedule that time? For me, it is naturally the for my morning. Uh, we usually don't uh, we usually don't spend that first that first portion together and typically she's out early or, or even when she's home um, yeah I'll pop into pop into the office right I'd um, read a couple poems 
move a little bit, breathe. Um, and then, and then after that, when she's home, that's when we do our walk with, with, uh, with Mamba. Right. So it's like, we don't get him, we don't get, we don't wake him up till 9am. So that whole few hours before that, that's, that's, that's my time. Well, it must be nice to have a dog that my dog's up at 630. He wants to walk at seven and he did, he's not aggressive or anything. He just comes and stares at me and puts his paws on my chest. Like, mm-hmm. okay, let's go mom. And, uh, aggressive. No, I mean, it's crate trained. Yeah. I, that's, that's me though. That's me. Yeah. I, it's great because for me, it's given me a pattern and a rhythm that I get up earlier than I used to. And the realization for me that I, so I have a scheduled time now from nine to 10, that is mine. Um, and I, I put it on the calendar. Um, folks who can see my calendar know that. And that is like, I'm doing, I'm working, but I'm working on stuff that is for my future and not like, cause what, I, what I do is I get caught up in emails and phone calls and things that are all very important. Yep. We, we've got some really difficult situations at the church right now. So I'm spending a lot more time on the phone with people, uh, or even texting them cause they're going through trauma. And, um, I think that it's so easy for me to then go, well, what did I do to push the ball forward for other things that I want to do? And so having that scheduled time, but it was the reality for me that was really hard and had some shame around it, which I would love to talk. I have always worked in offices that I had to be there early. And so the fact that I kind of don't start the work till work till 10, um, feels very like indulgent, but my reality is with having an ADHD brain, with having, uh, the way that I have to have structure and schedule, but it it needed to be, it was important for me that at nine o'clock I start working on the stuff that's pushing my ball forward. And then sometimes I hop back into church stuff at nine 30 or whatever. Um, but at least from nine to nine 30, sometimes nine to 10. Um, and I had to schedule it even on, you know, and it's been awkward because sometimes people are like, Oh, I want to see it. And I'm like, Nope, can't, I have an appointment. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I think, I mean, we're talking, we're having a conversation about boundaries right now. Right. And, and this idea that to not have boundaries is dangerous, it is, right? yeah. not just for you, but for the other people, you know, um, you remember that old Stephen King, uh, movie book, uh, the shining Jack yes. Nicholson, yes. creepy, great, you know, um, and that scene where, when he goes when when the wife comes and he's been he's been working they go to this hotel to work he's working 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 he writes hundreds of pages and it says all work and no play makes jack a dull boy and it's just that's all it is and then it pans in and it's like oh freaking out but this but the idea that this workaholic that his work drives him so crazy that he literally tries to kill his family right (laughs) that's the that's the that's the thing right so we we muscle through too much and then our lack of boundaries we ended up we end up blowing through that stuff on other on other people right Mm -hmm. passive aggressiveness um resentment like bitterness all that stuff and it's just like yeah I don't I don't have the space to help you right now Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. Lack of boundaries is, I mean, I kind of working through this again in therapy, sorry to mention therapy so much, but everybody should go to therapy. So whatever. Everyone should go to therapy. <laughs> yes. If better help wants to sponsor us, we're into it. Keep going. Sorry, Jess. <laughs> yes. Um, we're going through this idea that maybe I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which, you know, as far as diagnoses go, isn't like a great one. Cause it's just kind of yes, you have pain. Um, and my therapist threw out this idea that my partner and I had been talking about and saying like, hey, maybe your trauma and maybe your lack of boundaries are making your pain exist or worse. And a lot of it has to do with like family trauma and lack of family boundaries and creating these boundaries because emotional pain is so tied into physical pain. 
And I feel like sometimes we don't really consider our relationships in that boundary situation and the pain and the going crazy and trying to murder your family. Um, We don't really think, hey, maybe this friend who's asking too much of me is making my life a little bit more difficult in whatever way that could be, in whatever physical manifestation that could be. And in not placing those boundaries, not only are you kind of being a detriment to yourself, but also to your friend, because your friend, you're not communicating. You don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on. And they could also benefit. Everybody could benefit from boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. It's like, so and continuing in this therapy vein. Therapy. We, we want to be in, in flow in our lives, right? And there's this, there's this idea called the trauma vortex, right? Where it throws us out of, out of flow. Um, and most times when we get there, what we do, what we say is, all right, I'm going to just, I'm going to just fight my way out of this. I'm going to just avoid stuff. I'm going to numb. I'm just, I'm going to minimize this stuff because I shouldn't feel overwhelmed or I shouldn't feel like I don't have the emotional energy to be there for somebody. Right. So all the shame about it, um, which is very much cultural, very much in, in the professions that we have, we've, we've, we've all been in, um, in our upbringing and tradition very much there. And, and we never, quite get out of it because we're trying to just act like it's it's not there um but what if i worked with that what if i worked with that that stuff um my teacher uh resmo Menicum, i've been uh training with him uh he he talks about our pain and how a lot of times we we ingest the pain and then we just spit it out on other people versus like metabolizing it and using it as something right so i think when i think of when i think of that in the context of boundaries a lot of times the thing that's going on inside of us when we when we're being triggered by that other person and you know their lack of boundaries our lack of boundaries it's pointing us somewhere right it's pointing us to something it's pointing us to a need uh, it's a, it's alerting us. Hey, hey. We 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 need to either proceed with caution. We need to we need to engage differently. We need to maybe take a different pathway. We need to maybe stop, right? Um, yeah. I think it's that you were asking earlier before we started recording about. Um, so I am like five weeks uh, out from. Uh, leaving my current profession for a little while. Um, and I, there's a couple of things and some I've shared publicly and some I haven't shared. One of the reasons is that I, I was noticing that my personality and the thing that makes me uniquely me was um, altering. And by that, I mean, the level of frustration I had with people um, was not, I mean, I've always been the kind of person who just, I'm, I'm an easy forgiver. I am a person who grew up with a, a family who's incredible, but they've always asked, well, why is that person acting that way? It's always out of pain, right? So I've always known that the way people act usually out, has nothing to do with you and everything to do with their own pain, but you start making excuses. And then for me, as someone who was a workaholic and is a workaholic and has you know, all that sort of stuff. It was very easy for me to say, no, no, it's cool. It's fine. Yep. Nope. Yep. Yep. Be mean to me. That's fine. You know, absolutely. Yep. 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 Your trauma is really important. Um, and I, I realized after many, many years of those expectations that like in the last year and a half, I could feel the part of me that has always felt, uh, gracious and kind, um, was a facade. Um, and that my entire, tell me more, like, Oh, I mean, faking it like, yep, great. Mm -hmm. Um, No problem. Yeah, I got it. And I realized 
that there's passive aggressiveness and things in me that just aren't my integrity. And, um, sometimes when you have a career that expects you to be kind, particularly when you're female, you, um, you just sit with this stuff. And for me, I don't have, you know, my outlets are like running and, and, um, you know, I have a couple good friends that I can say, huh, you know, this happened, you know, and, um, but in general, I don't have a lot of places to go with that. And so the reality was I wasn't great at setting boundaries. And then I'm, I've been in a career that hasn't always celebrated boundaries for me. Um, and then you've got really odd dynamics where your, your life, your ministry, your friendships, your work, everything has uh, been all blended yeah. together. And so I just as someone who had to push a hard stop to like reclaim and, and spend time with me right. and get back to the person that um, I think I, I want at a deep core to be, and that person is someone who is gracious and isn't faking it, but actually, you know, cause I shouldn't say I'm faking it. Cause deep down, I really am like concerned about the person. And I really, I really do feel this feeling of like, again, because of the family I grew up in, and also just because of my training to always know that there's a thing behind the thing. But for a little bit, I was like, all right, I, I don't think I could be disappointed with one more person. Like, and, and I think that's on me. And I think the exciting thing for me is I am really looking forward to not working with volunteers for a while. I'm really looking forward to not asking anything of anyone for a little while and not, um, and just kind of being on my, I'm going to, I'm going to do the things that I'm gonna do and that I feel confident I can take care of and and not relying on other people for a little while and that might say, sound odd but I need to learn how to set boundaries in a way clear communication um, in a way that is both honoring to who I am and understanding my own worth and not like you know um, but also is honoring to them so they know what expectations are because I think you know it's easy to be disappointed with people when you haven't set expectations, right? It's like, I don't know if you guys get like that, but where you're like, oh, you didn't meet my expectation that I never told you to meet. Um, so I think there's like right. this. And when you're working with volunteers constantly, when you're working, you're just hoping a leadership team will gather around you. And then you just want to be grateful that they showed up. You know, it's, it's a really difficult space to be in when you're not in a healthy, like, feeling uh, like you can be honest about how you're feeling, what you're hoping for, what your desires are and these things. And I think wow. it's always good to kind of hit a pause. And um, yeah, so I think that, you know, when did I know I needed to shift out is when I wasn't being, in the words of my best guy friend, he said, your Sarah-ness is gone. And um, like, I, I can still, I still love people so much. I love people so much. And I just, I'm tired of being disappointed and I needed to take a break so that I could kind of re-enter in, in a uh, healthier way. There is so much there. Oh my goodness. Um, so the last time I was on the podcast, so we've had conversations since then, mm -hmm. uh, but the last time I was on the podcast, I was actually doing the pastoring thing mm -hmm. and the coaching thing and shortly after that I, I i transitioned out so you know the end of the end of 2020 was my last month as as a college pastor at my church and you know when you talk about just not being able to to be your complete self and mm -hmm. you know disappointment and all these things i just you know, one of the things that came up for me and my wife was it was very challenging to have the my my moral my morality and mm -hmm. my paycheck yeah um coming from the same place mm. right mm -hmm. um and that that standard that organizationally there is a standard in that organization of what morality looks like right um in the in the practices that I do personally, but also in the ways in which I engage with people and the people who I'm, who I open myself to, right? And that began to be, be more troubling for us to just kind of reconcile like, man, I could, you know, I can hang out, I can, I can, I can, I can play some music, 
at, at church and everything, but I probably shouldn't be working at a church because the there's a group of people who will never step foot in this place. And those are people who are very much in my life. Um, and they come from all genders, um, gender identity, you know, religions, all that stuff. And these are, these are my, in a lot of ways, my tribe and the, and the people who, who've been gifted to me. Right. So there is this, uh, there's this thing that happens when you have to walk kind of two different ways. Right. And um, this is something that I've trauma. This is something that I've been like dealing with my whole life. And over the past few years, recognizing that, you know, I've had to show up in a certain way in certain spaces. Um, I've yeah, had yeah. to kind of soften my um my blackness my mm. my culture i've had to um i've had to not express certain ideas about about beliefs um and there and there's but so much you know it's that lauren hill song lost ones oh uh, i love that song <laughs> you you might win some, but you just lost one. That one is you. you. That one is yourself, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, in some ways, over the past few months, I've been experiencing a little bit of grief. Um, yeah. Grief for when you talk about losing that serenness, right? who was I before I felt the need to perform to fit? Um, who's that soulful version of myself? Um, yeah. I think it's interesting because I don't, I'm super lucky that I didn't have to walk two different because I am the lead, right? So um, yeah, I didn't have yeah. to walk two different morality versus like in any space, which has been super great. And I'm looking forward to from this point on helping other people people uh, and communities and spaces do a better job of letting people show up as their full selves. I think that for me is really the call on the work. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm so grateful, like, as much as I say, like, you know, I ha it was, it was in me, right? It's the people are amazing, mm -hmm. right? Right. It, the people are amazing. It's that I myself know now, and I think I, I'll be able to help other leaders know how to set better boundaries for themselves yes. because I didn't do a great job out the gate doing that because I wasn't giving the, given the framework for that. There was no, and so even if I can be a permission giver for people to be like, no, like yep. I need your blackness to yep. show up, whatever that, right. like, if I can, if I can be the permission giver for other leaders to show up and to invite other people to show up because it's, it's messy and it's hard. And I, mm -hmm. I've done, you know, there are places and spaces when I've done it well. And I think the other places are opportunities and learnings about, okay, this is what it really yeah. looks like. And this is the risk. And there's always a cost, right? There's always a cost. But like Lauren says, don't let that cost be you. Right. I love it. And I and, think, yeah. Oh, go for it. I was just going to say, I think that it's important to have permission givers because we can talk about how we don't have boundaries and like, it's all about what we've done or what we didn't do or whatever. But the reality of life and the world is that you do not have permission to be right. yourself and to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like you said, Chris, like you had to walk two different ways. And I, as a Latin woman, also had to do that. I mean, for a while, anyways. I have a, um, one of my best friends is a black male and we went to a predominantly white university. And the two mm -hmm. of us, he really, I mean, he was called Oreo. He really had, he, like, he really struggled with his blackness in college and then but he thrived he was a student leader and he did everything and he was the best and everybody loved him and he had all these friends and he had a great time at college not looking back but at the time it felt all right and then I had the opposite experience where in college I was like I don't give a fuck about anybody or anything I've spent 
my formative years of my childhood being like, oh, Josie, you're exceptional because you speak eloquently because you read all these books because you present yourself as a little educated white girl instead of a chola from the hood or whatever and there was no permission given to me to be anything else because otherwise Mm. I wouldn't have been deemed an honor student an AP student I wouldn't have been deemed worthy of being educated as much as I have been and once I got to college I was like well I'm here so I don't have to do anything else but there was so much pushback I was in so much trouble all the time because I was like, this is bullshit. Like I am not going to be as not. And I went to a Christian college. So it's like, I'm not going to be this demure little Christian girl looking for a husband, trying to be a wife. I'm here to get educated. I'm here to do what I got to do. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm a little white girl anymore because I am educated. And I mean, if you not like, super epidemic so academics i was like i'm smarter than a lot of you so i don't have to be presenting but even today there's so much pushback for me being unapologetically who i am and placing these boundaries because there is no permission in this world to be that way yeah i think there's that hard thing too about like when we are injured in that way it's hard not to spill that out and like F you world, I'm coming at you. And that, and that's not how you want to be. And that's, and that's why I'm saying like, for me, it's like taking, I'm not, um, you know, I I want to do a good job of like entering into the space as both fully me that can make space for you. Um, and so I'm not coming, uh, that's why I say I'm not blaming anyone else. And, and it's just a moment of like, okay, well, what do I need it's not your responsibility to figure out what I need and, and me making space for me, it shouldn't be, you know, and, and that's yes. that balance. And I think there's that, oops, um, there is that beauty. I'm excited about helping other people figure out what that looks like and coaching people towards that. Cause I think that's kind of been a lot of your work, Chris, right? Like helping people yeah. know, like you say, it bleeds all over other people. It, it, it is not a, there's always a cost and it, you're either going right. to pay it or somebody else is. So you gotta right. figure it out. Right. Yeah. Oh man. There, there is, there is so, so much in this. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we all went to our Christian universities. I didn't y'all. Oh, uh, you, you, oh Yeah. You just you did State school. You just went to Duke. State school and then Duke. But Duke undergrad school. was state school. <laughs> but these these experiences where you know you watch the you watch the people you went to school with and they're like totally like, you know, screw the system and they're like like, you know, almost like anarchists, right? Um and I I don't ever want to be that. But I felt like, you know, that that loss, that disappointment that like ah, I was I had to be somebody else here. Um, but a lot of times I'm catching people at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. When when um, when those those wounds are just like just kind of bleeding out. And it's it's interesting for me to hear you, Josie, say like in college, that's when you were like, you know what, I'm going to be I'm going to be me um and talking about that and and with the idea of permission givers Mm -hmm. who was who are some of the people that gave you permission i'm just curious um so we're in a lot let me tell you but there's i had friends and i had weirdly enough i had a ton of bosses who were like hey you do you you don't have to be this you don't have to do that Mm. And granted, that was as a result of me um, skewing towards the liberal offices in the school, like art, <laughs> art kind of does that naturally. Or the people mm-hmm. who were in the missions office trying to like change the world in ethical ways, like they're like, yeah, pe- we need people like you. You don't have to be a demure little wife looking for a husband or whatever. So while there were few and far between, I did have very influential people, both on my level and levels above. And I think they're both equally important to have friends that allow you, who give you permission to be exactly who you are without trying mm-hmm. to adjust you to fit into their life. Yeah, I think that's so good because it's like, you know, Sarah, as you're talking about, the pain comes from in us, 
-hmm. right? Um, but the goodness comes from in us too, right? It's it's all there. Um, you know, our superpower becomes 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 that that vice in a lot of ways. But but whatever the case, showing up and you know dusting off the diamond, right? Um, taking it out of out of the box like you know we talk about it like you know what a, like it doesn't have to be a box maybe maybe it's some other <laughs> structure some other new weird obscure looking framework um but yeah you can't you can't get there without being you like you are necessary yeah right? you are necessary i think was it last year? I was, no, it was a couple of years before that, actually. I was, you know, I, as a person of a Christian tradition, you love your neighbor as yourself. And I was, I, I love your, I love to love my neighbor. But what I noticed in that sentence, because a, a guy that was actually working for us, who is amazing. And John is a spiritual director and he and his uh, wife moved out of town for her to finish her PhD. But John said to me, have you ever noticed in that sentence that it's assumed you love yourself? Mm-hmm. And he said, I think to love yourself, you have to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And he said, you can't love your neighbor unless you love yourself. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I'm a good Christian. I love my neighbor. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Let's read that <laughs> sentence again. <laughs> and I was like, no, but it was, it has You've been been exposed, but yeah. Yeah. It took me four years to like process the words that he said that was probably just like a throwaway for him. Cause he's one of these like deep still water people. Um, but it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like, you gotta know who, who you are in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Open that it's- box, look and see a diamond instead of being like, here's my crap. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. so often we're showing people our crap side and, and not willing to say, here are the things like I'm super good at. And owning that. And I think particularly for those of us who haven't fit the norm of what, well, all three of us don't fit the norm of what space has been made for, if we're honest. Right. Um, and so like, I I have this like painful reaction when you tell me that your friend in college had to manipulate themselves to have a good time, but I, I can relate. Right. I think all of us can like, and it, and in the moment, I mean, remember when you're in college, you're not fully formed. Um, any college student listening, you really aren't like you, you, you are to do the ones that tell you <laughs> you're doing great and you're on your way, but there is still parts of you that are learning. And I mean, I, I feel that way at 40, right? Like I still feel like parts of me are like wobbly new parts. And I think yeah. to have to learn that your acceptance and love is predicated on how other people feel about your and it's so funny because you wonder like what was the I love that question like who gave you permission well who took the permission from like what were the unconscious things that told you like like I have a friend who one time told me like I'm I realized a long time ago I could be the trope of the funny black guy and I was like oh or the trope of I'm the good student Josie like I'm the good student. Mm-hmm. That's what I am. That's who I am. Um, instead of Josie, like who's Josie? What's and it's all appropriate, guys. It's all right. development. It's all stuff we go right. through. Like Father Roar talks about that first stage. All of it is appropriate, but it's also appropriate for our eyes to be open and go, how have I been in this space? And then how has that prevented other people from being themselves in that space? Gosh. Hence why we all need to go to therapy, everybody. <laughs> Better help did not sponsor this podcast, but we don't know actually like they to, might be. <laughs> maybe yeah. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Uh, our base, our base is belonging. Mm-hmm. Our base is nurtured. We we live in a body that is trying to do everything to make us survive. And then we leave that body and that same body 
is now still trying to do everything to help us to survive. And the land is trying to do everything to help us survive, right? And that is, that is nurture is the baseline. Um, being, being connected, intrinsic value and love and belonging, that is the baseline. So when you say, who took that permission? Yeah, that's, I mean, I think, I think we need to get people back to that. Like, hey, you understand that you belong first. You've belonged first. I find myself in these moments. Uh, Nature is a big part of my life. But it wasn't as a child because in Irvington, New Jersey, you got to go in <laughs> when the streetlights come on, you know. Right. Um, there's, there's this group, there's this gang in like New York and New Jersey, stick up kids. They'd come in like a, they'd come down the opposite street in like a, um, a tinted out blue van. And when you see them down the street, you know, like, you know, it's like a Michael Myers movie, but run, you know, they're going to, they're going to rob you. Um, this was the environment of my, of my, of my childhood. As an adult, I found nature as a place of safety and sanctuary. But sometimes I still find myself going into these spaces where, 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 where my black body is the only black body there. And I have to remind myself, hey, you've always belonged. Belonging is first. You know, you're, 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 you are present here. Um, and you didn't, you didn't have to earn a spot to, uh, to walk this, to walk this road. Right. Yeah. There's that, um, really great. I think I, I don't know if I talked to you about it or not, or even when we talked before, but the documentary about the kids who are from the urban area who, um, end up becoming like championship rowers. And they're all from rival gangs. <laughs> but, I love it. But they have to figure out how to row a boat together. And it I was listening to the interview with the guy who since then has really begun to take kids from urban environments into the environment, like into right. nature. And he tells the story of and his body, he says, My body can actually, I can as I'm telling you the story, I can feel it in me. He would go um the first time he got on the water he was like in the water in the boat you know with a bunch of guys he was like I mean we were gonna fight after school before like but all of a sudden they're out in the water and if you've ever been in the midst of water there is a kind of quiet that you don't get anywhere else and he said there was a quiet and all of a sudden all of us and we've talked about it since had the experience of like our lives are so because of the street, because of like, you know, for like me, I don't even think about the fact that 55 is right there. There's constant noise, but out on the water is when it was quiet. And he said, I could hear myself for the first time in my life. And I, I think about that as you are like talking about, yeah, now I get into the environment and I can hear myself. Mm. Mm. Such a good documentary, by the way, guys. Everyone should watch it. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch that. No, I. Hmm. There's this idea that, and it, and it kind of, for me, it kind of comes full circle with this idea of, of, of making space. And you talk about the, the the finally hearing myself. Um, and you, you y'all read um, Thich Nhat Hanh? Mm -hmm. Mindfulness teacher. He, he talks, uh, he talks about, you know, emptiness and this idea of, of emptiness is not empty at all. You mm -hmm. know, for us in the West, it's very, it's very, uh, um, oh, can't be, can't be empty, but, but that, but 
to be empty is to be empty of something and it points to to something so a cup that's empty is what's the cup empty from water right like and it's this idea of how making space for ourselves and and emptying out the the all the stuff that that doesn't belong is actually expanding is mm. actually creating room for for others right um as we continue to make room for ourselves yeah i think it's a both end it's a circle right and we were taught mm -hmm. that it wasn't a circle like making room for ourselves makes room for others making rooms for others should make room for ourselves like it's a yes. it's a circle and anytime the circle is off the wheel can't turn well and and then being aware that the wheel isn't turning well and not pretending that it's it's driving the bus i think is a, a lot of the work that you do it's like hey you're let's talk about like where are the points on this because something's clunking um so we're you know and even like josie's body and dealing with like well, maybe my body is clunky and not that it's all in your head. Cause you know, that's the thing about fibromyalgia. It's not a great diagnosis only because it can prove they can like literally through scans and all these things prove your body is having actual pain. Mm -hmm. Now, where is that source of that pain? It could be like a psychosomatic connection, but it's still real. But we have grown up being told that like people who have body pain that are like, it's all attached. We've tried to pretend the wheel isn't a wheel. Um, and so I think it's, it's always hard and, and it's, it's counterintuitive sometimes to like look at the wheel and look at different parts of ourselves and go, okay, as a way of making space for others, you know? Mm -hmm. that. What a great conversation, everybody. <laughs> so I secretly said, I miss you. So, hey, we're all busy. So why don't I just schedule Maybe. some time to be on your podcast so I could talk to y'all? <laughs> I've chosen Josie, this happens a lot. And I am I'm so time conscious, but we'll get in conversations with people. And then I because Josie and I talk in real life. And so I kind of forget that we're recording this for other people. But I think that's like the beauty of um conversation that like hopefully isn't again, just for us, it's a circle, right? It's got this ability to like also include others. Um, what's really fascinating guys. And I'll, I'll say this before we ask you the closing question, but, um, okay. they're finding statistically that, uh, people are wanting sermons that are conversations more than just lectures. And I think it's exactly this reason is that people want it to be a dynamic, uh, way of being present to it so that it's not just like getting, cause you know, just like, so what am I saying? No one wants to listen to a podcast that there's someone downloading information. Uh, yep. Maybe some people do, um, but there really does seem to be this, there's something that's magic that happens. The spirit shows up, whatever it is, where when there are people making space for each other, there's this new thing created instead of that one thing that right. like, it's like a separate thing. And I, anyway, I just really value that we get to do that together. So I love it. Oh, Chris, I could talk to you forever. We're going to have to have you on again, obviously. Um, so my question, obviously. obviously, or we can just talk as real humans in real time. We can do that. Um, question for you as we close out is, as you think about a tangible way for and whatever part of the wheel it is, whether it's making space for yourself or others, what are, what are what's something that pops in your mind today? For me, I think about the way I made space for myself this morning and I was just breathing. Um, I don't talk fast. I don't, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not someone you think like, oh yeah, Chris is this fast communicator or this person that gets things done fast. Um, I'm, I'm naturally, I'm naturally slow um, and and I think a good way, uh, but everything so fast, everything changes so fast. We're halfway through the year of the second year of a pandemic, right? It's just everything is just going so fast, and 
making space for, for me, I have to just stop and breathe, breathe deep, feel my feet on the ground, you know, um, then I can show up for, for my friends on this podcast. I can show up for my wife. Um, I've made space in my container, um, for others because I decided to, to pause and breathe right so i love that chris where can folks find you all right you can find me on ig at coach underscore chris rodriguez um you can also um follow follow me and just kind of find my programs find uh, my articles and um just my uh, free offerings at coachchrisrodriguez.com. Easy peasy. Thank you so, so much for joining us. And um, Josie, where can folks find us? Well, you can find us first and foremost on makingspacespodcast.com, uh, Instagram at makingspacespodcast. Uh, you can find Sarah at Rev Sarah Heath on Instagram and me at Josie Takes the World. And as always, you can find our friends over at Irreverent underscore fm on instagram or irreverent.fm on the interwebs guys thank you so much we will see you next week where we will be saving a space for you bye Bye. this has been an irreverent media podcast